0: Luke chapter 10. And I wanna begin by um, just uh, reading the text. And as we read this, I want you to uh, pay attention to what Jesus says is needful. He uses that word needful. This is needful. So I want to pay attention to that. Luke chapter 10 and I begin in verse 38 and I'll read down to verse 42. Here's what the scripture says. It says, now it came to pass as they went that he entered, and this is Jesus is talking of, he, Jesus, entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, "'Lord, dost thou not care "'that my sister hath left me to serve alone?' Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Would you pray with me, and then we will look at what the Lord has to say. Lord, I I pray that you will help us to hear your word, to be changed by your word. Help me as I try to deliver a message to these people that I believe you'd have me deliver. I pray that you will keep me clear, keep me plain. But most importantly, I pray that your Holy Spirit will take your words and make them do what they need to do in the hearts of these men and women. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Coming up in uh, about six weeks or so, middle of February, I'm planning to... um, run a race it's a 25k and it's going to be about call that 15 miles give or take it's going to be running around stone mountain and um i'm i think i'm ready for it i'm getting ready for it i'm not quite ready for it um last february i did a 20 mile race and it was over in the uari national forest and i'll just tell you between last february and this what february a lot of water has gone under the bridge i'm just telling you that meaning that um, my, my physical fitness is not what I'd like it to be. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, and on top of all that, uh, we were in Guilford County, Greensboro. And let me tell you, running these hills and hollers up in here, a whole lot different than running in flatland down there. I mean, it just I, it's not even the same. So all I can tell you is if I have any hope of finishing that race in about six weeks, and being able to stand at the end of it. If I have any hope of that, there are some necessary things that have gotta happen. I already tested myself yesterday, I about killed myself doing this, I didn't mean to. I just made a mistake and did too much too too soon and come home and Vanessa's good to fuss at me when I mess up on stuff. And uh, so I was trying to be real quiet about it, but I couldn't, I was like, oh, I'm hurting. I went too far, I went too high, went too low. And I had to come back, and it just, oh, I feel bad. In other words, all that's to simply say to you that if I have any hope of doing that, I have to have a base. This is what, if y'all know much about running, you have to have a baseline of running. Like you have to have so many miles a week just to be able to start. You don't even want to have the conversation unless there's so many miles. And then to get trained for a longer race like that, you've got to build up your miles week after week. That's the necessary thing. You've got to week after week put in the sweat. You've got to put in the miles. You've got to put in the time. I'm saying that to say you can't slack off. You can't give up on that. That's the necessary thing. You got that? In a similar way, if you have any hope of, as Jesus says in Luke chapter 10 and verse 27, just prior to our passage, loving the Lord thy God with all of thy heart and with all of thy soul and with all of thy strength and with all of thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. If you want to do what Jesus says in Luke ten twenty seven, and not buckle under the pressure, not buckle under the disappointment, not quit when people do you wrong, not quit when it gets hard. If you want to do that, there is one thing that's necessary, and it's not running miles. Just so y'all know, you don't have to run one mile to do this. He gives us that necessary thing here. He's already explained in, if you look at the, in your Bible, in Luke chapter 10, just before the passage I read is the story that Jesus gives of the Good Samaritan. Y'all, y'all know the story of the Good Samaritan? He's giving that as an example of the last thing. Remember, he says, I "Want you to love the Lord with all your heart and all that and love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, the Good Samaritan is what it looks like to love our neighbors as ourselves. He's already explained that part. But now he's gonna come back to the first part and say, I wanna show you in this incident of the life of Mary and Martha, of course, Jesus is part of that, but I wanna show you what it looks like to love and serve God with a whole heart. That's what I want you to see. That's what he's telling us. So what's happening here? Well, he's come for a visit. If you look there, he's come there. It comes to pass in verse 38. He goes into this village and he's come for a visit. It looks like through the story of the gospels that Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus who's not mentioned here, but he's one of the family, that they are good friends with Jesus. And it seems like because of where they are in proximity to Jerusalem, they're kind of on the way to Jerusalem, that anytime Jesus might've went by Jerusalem, it seems like he might've just dropped in for a visit. Just like you might if you were going through a certain town, you know you had a friend there or a family member, you might just pop in their house and say hey to them. You might eat, it, eat a meal with them or something like that. I think that's what Jesus would have done here but there's not very many incidents or rather recorded incidents of Jesus doing this, but that's sort of what's assumed because there's a friendship, there's a relationship that's clear in the gospel. So he stops in here and this, by the way, is the only time in the gospels that this particular story is mentioned is in Luke chapter 10, but he stops in here and we immediately see that somebody meets him. Look at here in in verse 38, Martha receives him into her house. Martha, she's clearly the boss. This is clearly her house. Uh, I, I mean, you, you look at how Martha, she, she's the one that you know this is her place and it's going to go by her rules. That's just the way she is. Um, I, I'll get fussed at later for this, but Martha reminds me a lot of my wife, Vanessa. <laughs> she, she's in charge and she knows it and you just better just listen up and it'll go easier for you if you'll just pay attention. <laughs> That's just how she is. She's one of those kind of people. And we all benefit from it, so I'm not, you know, I'm not fussing at her. I'm happy because my, my house is clean. I've got food all the time, anytime I want to. But you just got to do it her way, you understand. Uh, and, and we also know that this because not just in this story that she receives Jesus, but if you go over to John chapter 11, I won't make you turn there, but in John chapter 11, her brother Lazarus dies. And when, G- when Jesus comes to the, the funeral, essentially, when the at Lazarus's funeral, Martha does the same thing there. She comes, she's the first to meet him. She's telling him which way is everything. She's in charge. That's the kind of person she is. A real strong personality, a hospitable person. She's welcoming Jesus into her home to feed him, probably, probably to take care of him. Uh, but she's a hard worker. You can just see that in everything she's got going on here. And Jesus is her friend. So, so, just think about any of you. I, maybe that's not your personality, but you've got a friend coming to the house. What do you want to do? You want to serve them. You want to help them. You want to love them. You want to care care for them. You want to love on them a little bit. And that's exactly what Martha's doing here. But immediately as, as you've got Jesus coming into the house, she is almost immediately overwhelmed by the work that's available to her. Look at verse 40. Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, do you not, don't, dost thou not care? She is overwhelmed by the work. I can only imagine, and this is my imagination, so you can disagree with me and we're not we'll be friends. But my imagination is that this is probably not just Jesus. It's probably Jesus and his disciples who have come in and they there's probably a whole bunch of people there and, and she's sitting there just just freaking out. Oh my goodness, where's all this food coming from? I gotta don't you understand I got these pots here and this one here and this one here. I need to do all these things. So she's, and she's trying to make a big spread for all these people, and she's clearly anxious. I mean, even the way Jesus answers her in verse 41, he says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. She's clearly anxious. She's clearly distracted. She's trying to do all of these things. And some of you, especially you that are cooks, and maybe you did something over the holidays for a family, family gathering, you can kind of sympathize with where she is. You, you want to sit there and talk to the family, but you've got all this stuff going on. You want to go and do something here because that's why all these people are here, but you can't do it because there's so many things going on. It's a heavy load. There's just not enough time. But look how Jesus rebukes her in verse 41. He says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now notice what he doesn't do because Martha is asked, Jesus, won't you tell Mary to come work? Help me, help me out here. Jesus does not say that. Do you notice that? He doesn't say, Mar- uh, Mary, won't you help your sister? That's what Martha wants him to say, but that's not what he says. But also don't hear that Jesus is saying, Martha, you're being stupid doing all that work. You just need to sit down and be quiet. That's not what he's saying. He's not upset with Martha for doing work. In fact, he's not rejecting hard work. He's not calling us to laziness. He's not calling Martha to laziness. In fact, if you were to go back to uh, verses 30 through 35 and uh, 36 and see there where he's talking about the Good Samaritan, there's obviously work that needs to be done to care for people. And Jesus is telling us, care for people, take care of people, help people. So there's, there's, there's labor to be done. He's not saying, don't work. He's not saying, uh, just sit down. He's not saying, you're, you're being dumb by doing this. He's not upset with her. But listen what he says here in verse 42. One thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part. He's saying, listen, I'm not telling you to stop working, but I am calling you to something that is necessary and better. you got to hear that, that he's saying, I want you to do something that is necessary and better. What is that necessary and better thing? Well, he says Mary has chosen it, so what is Mary doing? We skip that verse, verse 39. She had a sister called Mary. What is Mary doing? Sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. It's very simple. She's just doing two things. She is sitting at Jesus' feet. Now, What is she doing? She's sitting at his feet. She is in the posture of a disciple. She is somebody there that is sitting there and just wanting to learn. She's humbly putting herself in a position. Jesus is here. I'm going to listen to whatever he's got to say. If he's going to say it, I want to hear it. And it says there that she is hearing his word, knowing And I believe Mary, she may not have fully understood this, but I believe she understood a a glimpse of this, that what comes out of his mouth are not just words. This is life-changing, world-creating words. And she says, I'm going to sit at his feet. I'm going to hear what his word has to say because it's important important for me to do that. All that's to simply say, the work that you need to do and you need to do your work It's good, it's helpful, it seems very necessary, but I wanna encourage you, as I believe Jesus is encouraging Martha, the strength that you have will not change things. Jesus and his word does change things. The programs you put in place, the, the plans you put in place, all of those things, again, I'm not saying they're bad. In fact, I don't think Jesus is saying they're bad. I think they're good. But those programs, those plans, they will not help. Jesus is the one who helps. Your job, whatever that job might be, and I, I believe in what's in view here is not just Christian service, it is Christian service, but I think it's the jobs that we do. I think it's the, the homes that we take care of, the, the, the families we have, the, the service we do in our communities. I think it's all of that work. That work is good, it's right, it's proper. But your job, whatever you put your hand to, it will not heal the wounds of yourself or those people around you. It's Jesus who's who's the one who's going to do that. In your effort, and some of y'all would work, most of y'all would work circles around me. I can promise you that. But as hard as you can work, it will not save you. It will not take you to heaven. It will not keep you from hell. Your work will not save you, only Jesus saves. He is the only one. So what do we need to do? My encouragement to you is to get to know Jesus, to fall in love with Jesus, sit at the feet of Jesus, listen to the words of Jesus. As Jesus said, and we talked about this on Wednesday night, that he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am gentle and lowly of heart and you will find rest for your souls. If you'll find a space in all the busyness of life and there's a lot of busyness, you've got to find some space to sit at his feet to learn of him. If not, I will promise you the work that you do and whatever you're trying to do, it's going to overwhelm you. You'll never get it. There's not enough time in a day. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you, there's not enough time in the day to keep our house clean. And if you ever come to our house, I'll tell you, you'll never see a cleaner house, but she'll tell you, no time in the day to keep the house clean. And, and y'all could say the same thing about your job, your work, your family, your, whatever it is, there's not enough time in the day. But you, you will, you'll be overwhelmed by your work, but you need to get to know the Lord, spend some time with him, fall in love with him, spend some time at his feet. Also tell you, not only is the work going to overwhelm you, but your coworkers are going to fail you. I hate to tell you that, but that's the truth. These people, and I'm talking about the—I'm looking at a church full of people. Y'all should just think about each other. Y'all gonna fail each other. Look at me. I'm gonna fail you. We're all gonna fail each other. In fact, here you got Martha, who is cumbered about much serving. Verse forty. She's so she's so distracted. She can't even enjoy Jesus's presence. She's got too much going on to enjoy the main thing. And so she starts doing what I would do, what you would do. Look at verse 40. Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she come help me. She says, don't you care, Jesus? (laughs) You don't care, Jesus. She's gonna say, Mary, she's left me alone. I'm having to do all the work. I don't know if this was just her reaction in the moment because she's under stress. I don't know if this is just how she was. She was just that kind of person. I don't know. But the point is that she's extremely disappointed in those people around her. Maybe Mary should have done more. We could have that argument. Maybe Mary should have done more. Because Jesus, I'm sure, didn't just show up out of the blue. They probably knew he's coming. They probably could have, she probably could have done some work before Jesus got there. We could have that discussion, but maybe she should have done more. And maybe Martha genuinely felt and was alone in her work. Ultimately, what she believed is if I could just have another set of hands helping me, that'll change things. But again, Jesus rebukes her lovingly. Look at, she says, in, he says in verses 41 and 42, he says, Mary's chosen the good part. What he doesn't do, if you listen to what Jesus says, he doesn't take Mary's side or Martha's side. He doesn't say, well, Mar- Mary, <laughs> she's right. You need to get busy. Nor does he say, Martha, leave her alone. She, she's fine. Just leave her alone. Not, he doesn't do either of those things. He doesn't, not at all. Jesus also doesn't <laughs> stand up and give her a hand either. You notice that? You notice that in this? He doesn't stand up and say, hang on, let me, gather, let me let me carry that for you. Let me pick that up for you. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that at all. But he calls her to something necessary and better. That needful thing, that good part. If you depend on others, and we all do, let's be honest about it. We all have, I mean, I can't do what I do in my life of any aspect of my life without other people. And if you're like that, I may mean, imagine you are too. But if you depend on other people in any respect, they're going to let you down. They may not today, they may not have yesterday, but they will eventually. They're going to let you down. Sometimes it's going to be a big letdown. Sometimes it's going to be a small letdown. Sometimes you're going to get very frustrated. Sometimes you're going to get a little bit frustrated. But I need you to hear that if you're only dependent on those people around you, you're missing out on the better and necessary thing. You need to spend some time at the feet of Jesus, hearing his word. Other people may fail you, they may even harm you, but they can't really change things the way Jesus can. Those people can't help or heal you the way Jesus can, and they definitely can't save you because Jesus alone can. Now, don't hear me wrong. Jesus does, or rather God does use people. He works in and through people. So he does do that. It's not like we don't need each other. We need each other, right? I hope you agree with that. You better agree with that. Otherwise, you will be a lonely, miserable person. You need each other. But you have to understand that your whole, your, 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 the value of those people isn't in them. It's in Jesus working through them. So that's where you need to get at the feet of Jesus. Spend some time to get to know him, fall in love with him, and listen to him. But every time that you spend time with Jesus, it's going to be time that you are going to be empowered to do the work. See, here's Mary doing the necessary and the good thing, as he says in verse 42. She's not doing what other people wanted her to do. She's not. Because if she's doing what other people would want her to do, what's she going to do? She's going to be doing whatever Martha told her to do in the kitchen. I mean, that's what I think she'd be doing. She's not even necessarily doing what the situation demanded. I, I think more, you know, she could have done more work. And there's probably some pressure on her to do that. But she does what Jesus says is the needful and the good thing. So instead of accomplishing more in this culture that we live in, in this time that we live in, that's what we all are pushed to. Do more, get more done, get more done, get more done, get more done. But instead of doing more, she acknowledges I'm actually in the presence of God. Jesus actually says over in Mark chapter two, he says this, he says, can the children of the bride uh, bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. He, He was defending the disciples against some accusations from the Pharisees at that time. And he was essentially saying, listen, these people are excited that they are with their Savior. They are excited that they're with God. They're spending some time with God. Why are you wanting them to go over here and act like they're sad and mourning? The point of that is, of that is to simply say, yeah, there's a lot to do. Can I just tell you there's a lot to do? I may not have to tell you that. You may already know that. There's a lot to do. But we've got to understand that there's got to be some time in our day Well, we're in the presence of God. And when you're in the presence of God, you need to stop. Stop working. Stop doing. Stop trying to fret and trying to get it all done. Understand when you're in his presence, he's the one that's in charge. He's the one that's going to get it done. And as the psalmist says in Psalm 46, we need to be still and know that he is God. So what, what does Mary do? She just spends time at Jesus' feet, sitting at his feet in that posture of a disciple, hearing his world-changing, life-changing power. Yeah, she's accused of laziness. She's got demands that are floating around and they're threatening her, but she's focusing on the one thing that nobody can take from her. That's the way Jesus says there. This, which, the last part of verse 42, which shall not be taken away from her. There is no bully, no thief, no boss, no demand, nothing that can take away from you. If you will spend some time in the presence of God at his feet, learning of him, if you can take a little bit of time, it may not be a whole lot of time and every day is not going to be as glorious as the last day, but every day, if you can spend some time in the presence of God, nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can take that away for you. In fact, I believe while your work will overwhelm you throughout the day, your coworkers will fail you throughout the day, Jesus and his presence will give you the power that you need to be able to accomplish what is necessary. That is the necessary, the needful, the good part. And we've got to make sure we're getting to know who he is, that we're loving him and spending some time in his presence. Just so bring home what I think is probably, I think y'all, let me, put, let me kind of, kind of lay, it, lay it out to you this way. What I just said, I think y'all are like, yeah, we should do that. I don't know how to do that, but yeah, let's do that. That's a good thing. I'm gonna try in my last few minutes with you to try to give you, well, what does that look like practically? I think you understand you need to spend time with the Lord. Do y'all agree with that? Okay, all right, that's, that's good. Got some, some agreement. But how do you do that? What does that even mean? Well, first of all, I'm going to give you six things. First of all, make sure you know who your Savior is. If you don't know who your Savior is, spending time with the Lord is just going to be some kind of religious duty because what a lot of you think of my, my uh, what do you think of your savior? You think about religion as something that you do. You think about uh, the scripture as something that others say about you. You you think about well, you think about the tasks you got to do. You have got to show up to church, and I I got to tell people about Jesus, and I got to read my Bible. If you're thinking about your relationship with Lord in, in a task kind of man manner, you're missing it. Who's your savior? It's the one who died for you. That's where we have to start. If Jesus is your savior, he's done it all. Everything you do is simply out of love and because he's such a good God, then we're in a good spot. So we've got to start there. Second of all, you've got to prioritize your savior. I think too many times we are seeing what I'm describing as learning of Jesus and spending time with Jesus as, as again, part of that religious duty. Instead of saying, hang on a minute, let me figure out a way that I can spend some time getting close to my Lord. To actually enjoy it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Because you've either been married or you dated somebody that you kind of liked and and you, you're around that person and if it's, doing, if it's a good relationship, I'm not saying everybody's had a good one because some people have had some bad ones, but if you've got a good one, it's Somebody you want to get close to. It's not a duty. You're not sitting there saying, well, got to go to dinner with her again. No. What are you doing? You're, 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 You're breaking other engagements to make this work. You see that? So we got to prioritize Jesus over other things that are going to take our attention. We've got to find that it's not our responsibility or our duty, but it's something we get to do. And yeah, that means I'm going to have to Yeah, I might be a little late on that other thing, but that's okay because he's more important to me. There's something else that's more important. Third, we've got to learn of Jesus. There's a lot of of ways to learn of Jesus, but just let me give you a couple very quickly. There's private devotion. Spend some time reading your Bible. There's public worship. We're doing that today, I hope. That's assuming your mind is tuned into what we're singing about and what we're preaching about. But if you're here worshiping the Lord, that's one way we can learn of the Savior. You can do this in a group setting. In the Sunday school hour, you can do that. On Wednesday night, there's, there's some smaller ways to, to, to more interactive ways where you're talking about it with each other. Uh, you can read good books, certainly read the scripture. You can listen to radio or podcast and things like that you can listen to. And ultimately, you can even engage. How many of you have actually engaged in what I'll call a Jesus conversation? With somebody, not in church, because that's what we're supposed to do in church, right? We're supposed to have a Jesus conversation. I'm talking about on Tuesday afternoon, just have a conversation about how good Jesus is with somebody. Those things are ways you can learn because you'll learn something from somebody that you never heard before. Fourth of all, this looks like meditating on the Savior. Meditating, yes. This is a lost art in this day and age. But that means not just reading the Bible, that means reading the Bible and then think about it for a little while. Y'all ever do that? Just think about it for a little bit. Let it roll over in your mind. Go down the road, turn the radio off. Turn the radio off sometimes. Just think about what's on. Or walk down the road by yourself and just think about what the Bible has to say. Meditate on the word. Number five, spend some time. Don't make it a, spend some time with the Savior. Don't make it a time where you have to learn something every time you're seeing his presence, but just talk to him like you would a friend. Tell him what's on your mind. Let him talk to you. I know know what I just said sounds spooky. It sounds weird. But until you get comfortable with spooky and weird, you're not going to understand what spending some time with the Savior is. Just talk to him. Just talk to him. Just talk to him. And then lastly, lean on him. You're going to have some difficult things you're going to have to accomplish. You're going to have some difficult circumstances. But you know what you need to do? Expect him to accomplish those things. Lean on him. Not to say, Lord, help me do this. Lord, if I'm going to do this, you're going to have to do it through me. Lord, if this is going to happen, it's only going to happen because you do. And actually, not just say those words, but actually live in that way. That's what sitting at the feet of Jesus, that's what hearing his word actually looks like. So what are you going to do about it? I'm gonna invite you to either come and make Jesus your savior if he is not your savior or come and commit to spending some time with with your savior this, just this week. I'm not even asking that to commit for the rest of your life. Just do it this week. I wanna encourage you to do that. Would you stand with me? Vanessa's gonna come. We're gonna have a moment of invitation.